Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. We are beginning a new series called First Fruits. And if you really want to understand that First Fruits concept, go to our website, look on the app, look on Facebook. We've got a page for you. We've got booklets here. If you need a booklet, I think you've raised your hand if you don't have one. It's very biblical. It's something that God established with Israel uh, when they were on their journey to reestablishing their relationship with Him. He put first fruits into motion. Essentially, it's putting God first at the beginning of the year to give the rest of the year openness and letting God step into it so He can bless it. This really boils down to a heart issue. And our heart says we want to put God first. Do you agree? We want to put God first. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. Psalms chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation this morning for teaching purposes. And then we're going to get into it. It says right here. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbanks, bearing fruit each season. I want you to turn to somebody and tell them no matter what season you're in, God promises fruit. Their leaves never wither. They prosper in all that they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless shafts. Now, some people don't know what shaft is, and so let me give that terminology and explanation. It's when the farmer has gathered the grain. He takes it on the threshing floor. The threshing floor was a place that was set on a hill in the land that where the wind blew and able to catch it very well. It could be even in the valley. But they would lay a blanket out there and they would begin to throw it up with the pitchfork, the, 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 the fruit, the actual harvest. And as it went up into the air, the fruit of the harvest would have weight fall straight back to the blanket, but the shaft or the husk or whatever was around it would go with the wind. So God is saying in here that the wicked he refers to are those that don't follow him, those that are uh, driven by other iniquity or self-willed, those that don't follow the law, they are driven with every wind, wind of trouble wind of drama, wind of false statements, or whatever it may be, wind that's not from God, but not the wicked. They are like worthless shaft and scattered by the wind, and they will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. I want to go back and just read verse 3 again. Speaking of they, speaking of you, you are a tree he's referring to right here. You have been planted by God. 
How many of you have ever been saved? You remember the day you were saved, but you've been saved by His grace. You were saved in a miraculous way. You, you were touched by God, and God established you and gave you roots in His presence and in the church. That's you. That tree was planted along the riverbanks, bearing fruit in every season. Today, we're going to start this series off by talking about why prayer is the secret to a prosperous year. No matter what your, your New Year's resolution might be, your idea for the year, um, I'm going to tell you that without God in it, it really doesn't matter. It, it, it just doesn't matter when God blesses, God wants to bless you and yet still hold you dear to Him and close to Him in a relationship with Him. How many of you know that the blessings of God, when He blesses you, it just causes you to have gratitude towards Him, thanksgiving towards Him, and it settles you. That's when God's blessings are real in your life. But when you have something come into your life other than God blessing you, it takes you away from God. When things take you away from God, then it's like you become like the shaft, taken outside the will of God. But prayer is what keeps you grounded. Someone said that you can tell the difference between wheat and tares because the wheat humbly hang over and the tares stick up. What we're going to talk about is going to be so relevant for this year. I think you're going to be blessed. I know you're going to be blessed. Will you pray now that God will bless the service? For you watching, that all, those of you watching online, will you stretch out your hands? God is no respect of technology or wherever you're at. Will you pray that God would help me to deliver this to you? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for touching and moving. Father, in the name of Jesus, we surrender to you right now. We honor you as we always do. God, we ask you just to touch every heart that's listening right now and desiring to receive from you. God, anoint me that I may speak it simply. God, clearly encouraging, Father, and direct as you desire for it to be delivered. Minister to every single person here. By the power of God and by the grace of your spirit, it can be done in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. Turn to someone and tell them God has Gonna, he has a promise, and he has fruit for you this year. God has a promise, and he has fruit for you this year. And you can be seated. There are different things that God has used to explain his presence. There are different examples throughout the Bible that we can identify with God's presence. One of them is that God said that his spirit would sometimes be a fire in our life. Trials can be identified as fire, but also the Spirit of God was identified by John the Baptist when he said that there comes one mightier than I who will baptize you with fire. Uh, the ability to burn off things in your life that aren't exactly uh, desirable for God nor for you. How many of you have ever experienced God just burn things out of you, things, old habits, old thought processes, old feelings. And we can identify with that. Then he said that he would give us a new wine. Jesus talked about new wine, that he would drink it with us when he was in his kingdom. At the Last Supper, Jesus said, uh, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. But he said, I won't drink this again with you till I'm with you in the kingdom. That spirit 
is what he was referring to, the Holy Spirit, the, the, the Spirit of God, the new wine, and, and we can relate to that. We understand that, and then we understand the anointing, the oil of anointing, how even through the life of David, we look at the prophet Samuel when he anointed David to be king. He literally poured oil on his head. Now we understand that to be under a new covenant, how the Spirit of God would rest on someone and be in someone's life and how through the task they've been called to do, like David was called to be king, he needed God's anointing to do that. Well, we also need God's anointing. Then there's the wind of God, the Spirit of God. John chapter 3 says that the wind blows wherever it wishes, and you hear the sound thereof, but cannot tell where it comes or where it goes. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit, referring to the wind of God. Well, there are two other examples that we're going to build on today, and that's rain and rivers. Rain and rivers. It's evident through, John, through the psalm in Psalm chapter 1 that, that we have to have the river in our life, that that's where we need to be planted. We know that the river represents the Spirit of God, but how, how the personality of it, the, the nature of it, because there is a huge difference between rain and river. Both are water but they function differently. Rain is so, so important. And here's what I do know, that without rain, you'd have no river. We learn this because we understand how the world works now. We understand now that when the river's low is because there's been a drought. There's no rain. When the river's full, and we're, we're very accustomed to that here in Victoria, we know that when it rains in San Antonio a lot, we better get ready here in Victoria because the Guadalupe River is fixing to overflow in abundance. So we prepare for that. But when that rain comes into our life, that's a good thing. So what we have to learn, gather from this scripture is, is that God desires us to be planted by the river, but I think it's our responsibility to cause it to rain. I think it's up to us to find out where the rain comes from, how it's developed and how it happens. I remember almost 20 years ago, I, I read a story about a man by the name of Charles Hatfield. Uh, Mr. Hatfield was the son of a farmer, and his greatest desire was to see his father's crops do well. And so what he did, he he started doing research and he started experimenting uh, with chemicals. And he thought of something, he had this understanding, uh, according to the history, of how condensation is formed and how, how with certain chemicals you can accumulate humidity. And so what he did, he actually began to uh, he build what he had was a tower. And, and this tower was on his father's windmill on his property. So he experimented with his father's property and he learned how to gather clouds, bring moisture. And so this was a very controversial topic and experiment that he had with, with rain. They called Mr. Hatfield the rainmaker. When they interviewed Mr. Hatfield they, uh, in the 1900s, 
He said it would be absurd for me to be a rainmaker. He said, I, I don't make rain. I just know how to gather clouds, and they take care of the rain. So believe it or not, they actually heard of him in California. And in San Diego, they had a huge drought, and he approached them. After hearing about him, he found interest, and they, he told them, he said, I won't charge you anything, but if I cause it to rain here, because they were in a long drought, farmers were hurting. He said, if it rains, I like to be paid $1,000 an inch of rain. And they were pretty desperate. They said, yeah, if you can make it rain, whatever, that's nothing. That was the city. That was the county. That's what he wanted from them. And so he brought his towers. And here's a picture of the towers he actually built. And these were just a few of them. This is not a fable. This is a true story. This is recorded, documented in history. And, and this guy would get together with his helper. He never told anyone what the recipe was. Today, in the late 2000s, they actually tried to revisit this for Mr. Hatfield. The scientists are trying to do it again and figure out what he did. But he died and took the recipe with him, right? Smart man. Now, whether or not he was good or he knew how to do this, it's irrelevant to me. For teaching, it doesn't matter. Or whether he was good at knowing how to pattern the weather and knew when the drought spots were in the country and figured that the cloud and the weather would change and just get there before the weather does, whatever. But the bottom line is, history records that this guy literally brought so much rain in this region, they paid him $10,000 to leave. And he left. He started going around the country. Farmers were calling him, and everywhere he went, he could produce. And no one knows what the recipe was. But this is what I do know. God gave us a recipe. God gave us specific instruction. He told us what to do if we're ever in a drought. If there is no life, no fruit, you need to start walking from the fruit backwards in your life to analyze why you're not producing the way God promised. To produce fruit can be many different uh, avenues of growth in your finances, in your family, in your relationships, in your business. Um, it's God's will, no matter what, for you to prosper in every area of your life in every season. Good times and bad times. Which means that even though you're in the trying moment, even though we go through problems, God promised that you would still produce fruit. Because we just read that. I, I got more scripture, but to reference Psalms chapter 1, that's what it says. In every season every season. But God told Solomon in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, he told Solomon, if there ever comes a time, he said, I might shut up the heavens so that there is no rainfall or command the grasshoppers to devour your crops or send a plague among you. Then, if my people, turn around to somebody and tell them I'm his people. You're his people. My people who are called by my name. Does anyone know the name we've been called by? Jesus. Oh, thank God. The first service didn't get it. Second service, you got it. 
Somebody say Jesus. He's given us a name that's above every name. We took on the name when we were water baptized. We are named by that name. We're saved by that name. We are healed by that name. We are delivered by that name. Oh, sweet, how sweet the name of Jesus is. Don't make me sing to you now. How sweet the name of Jesus is. So he said, my people, if they will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, which essentially means repent. I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will restore their land. So, so I'm talking to rainmakers today. I'm talking to people who know how to make it rain. So here's the diagram right here, and this is exactly, essentially what I just told you. If you want to see fruit in your life, you have to go back to the source. The source is the rain. The reason why I like coming to church and why I enjoy being in his presence is because where two or three are gathered in his name, the rain falls. There's something special about spirit-led, fervent worship and there's something special about not just when it's done here, but when it's done out there. And there's a colliding of two worlds. And heaven begins to meet us and talk with us. And angels are stirred up to assignment again. And then God's people desire more from him. And then something begins to condensate in this area. And that's healing. That's fervor. That's love. That's his presence. How many of you are thankful for the presence of God in your life? Let's apply this scripture not just to land and not just to the physical. Let's understand this from a spiritual connotation, from a spiritual point of view, that the first thing he said was, you know, you have to, you have to understand that humility is the beginning of all things. Humility. The one thing that's contrary to this ingredient, if you will, is pride. Pride will rob you of every blessing and all your potential concerning God's will. Pride will cause you to, to say, I just don't feel like it. I'm too embarrassed. That's for kids. I'm not a little boy. I'm a man. Right? I'm a woman. I can't be acting like a little girl. Let me, let me, um, let me help you a little bit here with that concept as far as being too old to do anything. God said, except you become like a little child, you have no part with me in the kingdom. Because he knew that one day he would be our father as he was to Jesus as well. And so we have to approach him and see him and see have a different perspective that our heavenly father loves us. And I'm going to tell you, I'm a grown man, but I have learned how to weep and to cry in the presence of God when necessary. I have learned at times that when I let myself cry a little bit and I let myself just kind of just go out there and become vulnerable and, and transparent with God, it leads to a place called seeking his face. It leads to a place. You see, when he says, seek my face, that means that you are face to face with God. When you talk to someone, and sometimes you, have you ever done this to your child? Hey, hey, look at me. Look at me. It's, it's a way of saying, I, I want you to catch everything I'm saying. I want you to understand 
what I'm telling you because the, wind, the eyes are the windows to the soul. The eyes of someone, you can tell if they're telling the truth. The eyes of someone, there have been a lot of lessons out there, a lot of, a lot of techniques for reading body language. And, and I've learned that when you look at someone in the eye and tell them what the facts are, then, then it's, it means so much more. Um, when you have conversation with somebody, it, it means so much more. That means that you're vulnerable and you're open. Seeking God face-to-face means that we have to become transparent and tell God all things, everything. He already knows, but he wants to hear it to see if you know. I mean, God knows our downfalls. God knows our shortcomings. God understands our weaknesses. He knows our strengths. But the problem that we face is the fact that God wants to make sure that we know our blind spots in our life. We know we have a problem because self-awareness is the first step to deliverance in our life. And until we can come to terms with ourself, and until we can come to the place of saying, it's me, I'm the problem. You know, the old saying is Steve had a problem with John, Steve had a problem with Mark, Steve had a problem with Michael, Steve had a problem with Jane. The problem might be Steve. There's a common denominator there. And so until we figure out that everywhere as we go, we're causing problems, or if everywhere we're going, there's an issue, maybe we may be the issue. So you have to be transparent with God. You have to tell God, this is it. But when you find out that it is you and that we are the problem, because God doesn't have the problem. God is never the problem. In this nation right now, God isn't the problem. God didn't cause no trouble. It's us. We're the problem, right? Then you have to become big enough and man enough and woman enough to say, I repent. Forgive me. I'm going to change my thinking. I'm going to turn it around. And these are the elements for prayer. These are the elements. Prayer is the key. So we get into prayer. We start to seek God with transparency. We start off with humility because it takes humility to approach God. We become very clear and transparent with him. We change our mind, and then we begin to pray and ask him to bless. Then we begin to ask him. Did you catch that? This is the recipe that God gave us for making rain, causing it to rain in our life. This is what God did. This is what God did for us. Point number one, giving God first fruit begins with rain. I've learned that throughout the years why some people don't give God first fruits or don't put God first is because they're not producing fruit. They have no fruit to give. They're barely getting by in every area. Emotionally, they're drained, and they can't give their best. They can't give their greatest love. They can't express themselves clearly. And wherever you're you're prospering in your life, you have to look at what and why. What's your condition of your heart concerning that area of your life? Because we all have faith in different areas. We all have strengths in different areas that we're good at. When I refer to giving, giving falls under three criterias. 
time, talent, treasure. We have intentionally repeated those three words to help you identify the avenues of giving. Time, talent, and treasure. Some people give by their time. Some people give by their talent. Others give in abundance in their treasure. And when you can operate all three in abundance beyond what God's called you to do, at least to put him first, you're going to see rain. But you're going to see something else transpire, and I'll get that into just a moment. Consistent prayer, praise, worship produces the rain. This story with Mr. Hatfield is very interesting to me because I promise you, people will want you to come if you have the ability to carry God's presence. People want you around in their life if you have the understanding to be in his presence. You become a carrier of his presence. You carry healing in your life, peace in your life. You carry redemption with you, reconciliation. You're the peacemaker. You're the one that comes around. It seems like God blesses. It seems like God prospers. It was funny one year because uh, one year for the 4th of July, I went with my family. They got a, uh, they got a couple of captains to help charter a fishing trip. And, and I, I don't go fishing a whole lot, but, you know, I was there. And so I wanted my son, I wanted to be with him, my youngest boy. I, so I didn't really fish. I, I just went there to be with them. And all the other boats, we had a big family, you know, and they were all taking their their uh, time slots, and I was in the, the different time slot with my youngest son and, and a couple of other guys. The captain was there with us, and so we were like the second or third ones out, and everyone went out. They spent all day. They were out there for a long time, and, and, and they didn't, some of them didn't hardly catch anything, but when it came to us, we went, we went out there, and within 10, 15 minutes, we limited out. I mean, we were like very short, very fast. When I got back, the, and I, I thought everyone was doing that. I didn't know what people were catching. I didn't know what the other families brought out. And when we got back, uh, they asked us how we did, and we told them we, we limited out already. We had to come back. They said, what? Everyone assumed because I was on the boat <laughs> that they were blessed. I never argued with them. I never, I just... I didn't disagree with them at all because I've been out there before. Another time I went fishing with my brother. And when I went fishing with my brother, all I had were lures that were so old. I, I went to the pier and we went to Indianola is where I think it, where it was. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And I went to this pier and, and we went there and I wasn't catching anything. There was a crowd of people there. And then all of a sudden I saw this one guy. Uh, he came, and he was catching two at a time. And it's unheard of, harder that you catch uh, the legal limit there with the right size there off the pier like that. Most of the time, you have to go out on a boat. This guy was catching two at a time. He was keeping most of them. And, and everyone's looking at this guy. Have you ever been there before when that one guy shows up, catches all the fish, and everyone's like, what is he using? And then you start getting jealous every time he catches something. He's like celebrating, and you're like, whatever. Look at me. Right? You're like, no, oh, that's just me? No one else gets jealous? 
I didn't have the money to go buy a croaker, shrimp, live shrimp. I was using old stuff that was in my tackle box when I was 15 years old. You know, the old wiry stuff that's bent out of shape and stinks. There's all rust from the hook on it and everything. It was old. But all of a sudden, this guy stops fishing. And I have all my family between us and him. This guy, for no reason, I didn't look at him that long. I didn't even say anything to him, never talked to him, just minded my own business. I act like I didn't know he was catching fish. He stops, takes it off of his pole, walks past everybody, and comes straight to me and says, here you go. I want to give this to you. I said, man, I can't take that from you. He goes, it's okay. I said, do you have another one? He goes, no, I don't have any other ones. I'm, I just feel like I need to give it to you. Then I became that guy. <laughs> I was that guy that was bringing in two at a time, baby. Wow. And I started catching. The guy that was over there picked up another lure, and he wasn't catching anything. I couldn't figure it out. Then the owners of the marina came past, I mean, I'm talking a beeline straight to me. And the owner said, would you like to have some bait? I said, I said how much is it? He goes, no, I'm going to give it to you. He gave me croakers. He gave me live shrimp. He filled up my bucket. And I'm like, my brother's looking the entire time going, what in the world? He's going, is it what he's wearing? Maybe I should have wore some fancy sneakers too, right? What in the world's going on here? And then finally my brother realized it because that day God told me, go fishing with your brother. My brother knows I have a prayer life. I really do believe with all of my heart he sent me there just to represent his favor. What I'm trying to tell you is, is that whenever you live in a place of abundant rain, that it follows you wherever you go and you produce fruit. And when you can't produce fruit, God will send you somebody into your life to bless you so you can. And whatever you do. And the reason why I'm using this example to tell you about it, because it's a simple thing like fishing. Who would ever think that God cared about fishing? He did with Peter. He cared about the disciples. They fished all night. They fished all night, couldn't catch a thing. But when he stepped in their boat, here comes the rain. Here comes the favor. Here come, he said, now cast your net. He said, Lord, we've done this a hundred times. You did it a hundred times, but you did it a hundred times without me. Now you're going to do it with me, and I'm going to show you your full potential. We will never find our full potential if we don't know what to do with the rain. Point number two and the last point today is this. Remember this. Write this down if you can. Rivers form when we give life. Now keep in mind, we understand how the world works now. In God's creation, we understand that the waters in the rivers come from rain. The condensation comes from the ocean. It carries over, and then it comes into different 
pressures and temperatures and causes condensation, and then it goes back to the sea. But the life is found in the movement of the water, not the stagnation. So Jesus didn't say, out of your belly there shall be a pond. Am I right? Out of your belly is going to be a reservoir, right? Out of your belly shall flow rivers. But the secret is creating the flow. The flow doesn't happen until you give. Time, talent, treasure. And in that flow, you begin to grow and produce fruit. You got scripture for that, Pastor Bobby? I sure do. <laughs> Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. God is not mocked. But he said, don't faint, because in due season, you're going to reap a harvest. You keep on giving, you keep on sowing, you keep on serving, you keep on doing what you're doing, and you'll produce. But don't do it without the rain. Don't do it without the rain. What do you think Jesus was doing so many times in the scripture when he was going in secret? He was getting the rain causing the rain. He was applying the principles. And then when he stepped out in public, he was a river. But he didn't become a river of healing until he reached out to heal somebody. Then he grew, matured, and he produced fruit. And no matter what season he was in, as long as it was raining, he was producing. In other words, there was never a devil that could stop Jesus. There was never a sickness he couldn't match with healing. There was never a financial difficulty with him able to meet it. In fact, in fact, they needed to pay their taxes. He told Peter, go get a fish from the sea. Go to the shore. Go look. The fish you find, open its mouth. Our tax money is going to be inside the fish's mouth. I mean, what is that all about? It's amazing. What makes you and I so different? I'm not saying go to the shore and find the first fish and you're going to have your tax money. <laughs> I'm saying that when you have rain in your life and you've learned how to let it flow, let me break it down for you. When you have learned how to pray, when you have learned how to be in his presence and you step outside his presence, and begin to do what God's called you to do, there is nothing impossible for God to handle in your life. There is nothing more difficult. And in every season that you're in, it doesn't matter what troubles are out there in the world. It doesn't matter what the, what the condition of the economy is. When God's people are causing it to rain, God's people are going to prosper just like Joseph. There are seasons in your life that God causes you to prosper that were meant for you to put some aside. Be very, very, I don't know who I'm talking to, but be very, very careful on trying to adapt your lifestyle to a year. Who am I talking to? I'm talking to somebody here. 
I'm talking to somebody watching. I don't know who I'm talking to, but here's a word for somebody. Be very careful and not adapt your lifestyle to your season of prosperity. But live below your... I'm not one to tell you what to do, but I feel like this is a direct word for somebody. And I'm just going to say it. Can I say it? Is this okay? Live below your means. Live below your means in the years of prosperity because God wants to test you to see how you're going to make it. Because there may be a time where it's not as prosperous as it is in that moment. It's very possible for God to bless you at times just to get you prepared for a season in your life. This is what happened to Joseph. Joseph was blessed. You see, rain doesn't always show up the same in every season, but it will rain. Joseph was a slave. Then he became a prisoner. But even in the prison, it rained. He stayed in the presence of God. And whatever he did in the prison still prospered. You see, that was prosperity at the prison level. Prosperity and the government level caused Joseph to tell people exactly what to do and interpret the dream of Pharaoh and help them get through what was fixing to come. This is what the Lord told me that what should happen this year. That the prosperity that comes financially, here's a word for the church. I've never done this before, but this is the first time I'm going to tell you that the prosperity that comes into your life this year should be driven, driving you to get out of debt. Get out of debt as soon as you can. Get out of debt as soon as you can. And when God blesses you this year, focus the energy on that. And then God will begin to help you produce and give you more to sow and invest. I don't know who this is for, but this is very different right now. I feel like God's given us divine direction to kind of guide us and direct us because as crazy as things have been in 2020, if 21 has some craziness there, we're going to get through it. We're going to prosper, but we're not going to play the fool. We're going to play ahead, get ahead, plan ahead, and do what's right. When you are blessed this year, focus on getting out of debt and not being a slave to any lender. Because there is a time of self-sufficiency that God wants to bless us with where we're not dependent on anybody. Well, I'm fixing to say a bad word right now. You had to forgive me. I'm going to say a bad word, but you're going you're, you're to still love me after that. God doesn't want us to be dependent on the government. Follow the Holy Ghost, son. Feel it very strong. Feel it so strong right now. Hmm. God asked me to be a servant. He asked me to serve and to be obedient. I'm going to be obedient right now and just simply tell you that everything that we have experienced in 2020 was nothing more than a conditioning stage. Was nothing more than a place of conditioning for the church to get ready to live in a different area, even if it's prosperous in any way, or whatever comes, whatever troubles hit. You are rooted and grounded. Look at this, Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 17. I want you to look at this. 
But blessed are those who trust in the Lord. To develop trust takes conditioning. To develop trust takes conditioning. Trust doesn't just happen. Trust comes from trials. Trust comes from trials. And whatever hasn't been tested can't be trusted. Whatever hasn't been tested can't be trusted. Everything that we experience in our life, the reason why it's reliable is because it's been tested. Those chairs you're sitting on right now, the TV you're watching from, the computer you're watching from right now, everything that's streaming, all of this stuff has been tested someplace before we purchased it. But we didn't, we've been dependent on it. Well, if we can learn how to trust God in the same way, we'll see God move. And we'll go to God first. And we'll honor God first. That's why we do first fruits, to line up our heart, calibrate it right for the year. And so he says, those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence, they are like trees planted along a riverbank which root with roots that reach deep into the water. Your roots are deep in the water. But hold on a second. There's rain and there's a river. Your roots have to be planted in your servanthood, in your giving, in the flow, in the anointing that God's called you to live in your life. And that anointing has to be constant in order for it to be a flow. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water from your spirit. So the trees, us, that grow are rooted in a concept and principle of giving. When you create the flow and it's a constant flow, that's when you start producing more fruit. So it's based on a principle. This is a principle. And listen to this. Such trees, in other words, people like you that have figured this out, people like you that have gotten rid of your fears, intimidation, and live by another standard and base your finances and your service and your gifts and your talents on the kingdom of God and not on the kingdom of this world or other people or a culture, people who aren't afraid to be canceled. Maybe some of your older folks like me didn't understand what that meant. And I had to ask my kids, what does it mean to cancel a culture? Culture cancel, what is that? It means that if society today doesn't agree with you, they try to cut you off from existence socially. What I'm telling you is, it doesn't matter who you don't please. As long as you please the Lord, you're going to be blessed. You're going to prosper. You're going to do well. Who cares what everybody else thinks? All I care about is getting rooted and grounded in him because I know where who butters my bread. I know who gives me my meals. I know where my prosperity comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. But what's this? I'm trying to get to it. Such trees are not bothered by the heat when trials come, when, when things happen, these trees aren't bothered by it, are worried by long months of drought. They're not worried because 
While everyone else is starving, there you are being blessed. There you are producing fruit. There you are. God's taking care of your family. God's taking care of you. Their leaves stay green. In other words, the scripture says that leaves are for the healings of the nations. That means that there is something good coming out of your life. You're healthy. You're strong. And they never, someone say never. And they never stop producing fruit. Somebody give him some praise just for that. They never stop producing fruit. What I'm trying to tell you is that when you connect your time, talent, treasure to the cause and to the purpose of the kingdom and you allow it to flow for God's glory and for God's will, you are creating a river in your life and whatever you do, God's never going to let that supply run dry. You're always going to be blessed. You're always going to be the one to step forward. You're going to be the Joseph that God uses to get everyone else out of trouble. Joseph. Joseph, the guy, the guy that, that his family, his whole family turned against him. His brothers got jealous. His brothers were jealous. They are the ones who put him in the pit, sold him into slavery. But isn't it funny how God allows you to be planted? Because before a seed can prosper, it first has to plant, it first has to die, then be planted. See, here's the concept as well. The scripture says the trees that are planted didn't say transplanted, planted by the rivers of water. That means that everyone is planted and starts off in an infant stage, and you grow from then. When you're born again, you have a new beginning, and it's a learning process to find out how the river flows. It's a learning process to find out how God works. But when through your works you have exercised your faith, you're going to find that that's when the blessings of God begin to manifest in your life. And everyone starts off at the same level. You have to be planted again. See, you were born once the first time, and you learned what your parents taught you. But later on down the road, God has to let you die again to your own self, your own will, and he replants you and wants you to grow. And the only way you can grow is to be what God's called you to be, not hoarding your gifts, not hoarding your time or your treasure, and begin to bless and to help others. Be a blessing, and you'll learn how God blesses. Here's what I want to leave you with. Stand to your feet here this Sunday morning. I want to leave you with this. Come on here. When you give God the first of everything, you prosper in everything. When you give God the first of everything, you prosper in everything. It's amazing to me, no matter what, how God comes through for us every single time. He never fails us. It was some, in this church, 
it has been through some of the most trying moments and seasons that God has blessed us and God has done something. Because during the blessings and during the famine, one thing was constant, the flow. We never stop preaching, we never stop teaching, never stop reaching. We're constant. You have to be constant. And you're going to learn how to survive in any season. The challenge for 2021 should be this. No matter what, Lord, no matter what, never stop the flow. No matter what, Lord Jesus, no matter what troubles come, I'm not going to stop praying. See, we got the recipe for rain, but we need to practice the art of flowing. It is a very spiritual act. See, the scripture says faith with, uh, without works is dead. So God's given us faith, but unless you start operating in faith and begin to do something with what you've been given, you will never produce the fruit. You'll never be strong and healthy. That's why the apostle Paul said, woe is me if I can't even preach the gospel. I have to do what God's called me to do. I have to reach out and be what God's called me to be. I must keep the flow going. I am talking to people here today that are called to teach, called to reach, called to give your time, called to be givers. There are people in this in this church that are called to be prosperous in business and, and called and God's called you to finance the kingdom. There are people here that have ministries that have abilities to reach other and to evangelize. You see, God has given avenues of that we call them rivers. You see, in the in the book of Galatians, you'll find that there are there are five offices of government that God has established within the church: apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. And every one of those offices are used in the church to make a difference in people's lives. That's why you see certain people that have certain giftings operate over those offices. A lot of people that have a business mindset operate under an apostleship, a pioneer. They start something. They grow something. They build a foundation. They establish it. Then they oversee it and they do it again. Some people are called into that prophetic office many times because they have learned how to identify the destiny in other people's lives so they step in to train them. They step in to help them. There are certain people that know and have knowledge that you've been called to teach to help other people. There are people here that have a passion for the lost and have a passion for other people. You've been called to evangelize and be a blessing to them. And then there are some that have been called to pastor that have that caring spirit to be involved with the community Community, to make sure that the hungry is fed, that the children don't go without. I'm telling you that there are rivers that want to come out of you and God wants to use you if you just let the rain fall and just by faith begin to function and operate and step out this year and let God do what he wants to do in your life. You're going to see fruit and you'll never go without. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.